105.5 KCCW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rick Schisler, your host for the Weekly Business Hour. Glad you're able to join us today. We've got, I think, a great show lined up for you. So I want to encourage you to tighten your seatbelt, move closer to the radio if you're like me and can't hear well, and be ready to listen to what goes on. Uh, First of all, I want to mention, though, before we get started with our first guest, that this show is sponsored by OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one, BestConsult.com. And I encourage you, it's a place to go, a website, you'll find nothing but common sense business advice. And I encourage you to go to that location, to check that site out, because I think you'll find some things, some information, an opportunity to sign up for a weekly uh, blog, as well as a weekly video tip that I believe in many cases will help you make your better business a better place to be, a better place to grow, and a better place for your family. So I encourage you, visit onebestconsult.com to see how we work with our clients on a remote basis and do efficient and cost-effective advising to them. I want to remind everybody, too, if you're listening to the show, this show is available on Facebook, and if you'd like to watch as well as listen, go to Facebook Live and join us on the Weekly Business Hour page. Also, a reminder, if you have a question or observation or even a remote thought, just send it to me in an email during the show or even after the show at onebestconsult at gmail.com. So, Feel free. I'd like to hear from you. I enjoy hearing from people about what's on their mind about this show or even what's on on your mind about your business or what's going on in the business world. So at this point, it's real simple. Sit back, grab your pad and pencil, get ready to take notes as we talk about everything business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. And our first guest today in his third and final appearance, I'm sorry to say, is Mark Miller, Mr. Sales. He's back in our Soup to Nuts conversation series It all starts with sales. Uh, Mark will conclude his three-part series on how to build a sales structure in your business. And today, we'll examine the topic. Now that you have a sales team, let's go sell something. Well, that sounds exciting to me, Mark. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Rick. It's good to be here again. Well, we're all going to be out there selling things, and I think that's wonderful. That's uh, obviously one, two, three, go. (laughs) That's right. Go go ahead. I was going to say, in some of our past shows, we've talked about, you know, hire a salesman and you say, okay, there's the door, go sell something, right? So let's back up from that and let's build a behavior plan before we hire the salesperson or even put one on our thought process of getting one. We've got to figure out what we want them to do once they become part of our team. And that's obviously we want them to do prospecting because we want them to find clients for us, right? A lot of folks think that the best place to find uh, new prospects is from new business. Well, you know, some of the statistics that we'll talk about later on, and I'll give you a hint in that regard, it's something like 0.5 to 2% of your unqualified list will ever buy something from you. So that's got to be in the behavior plan, right? So you have to have some new, new client prospecting, but you also have to have some warm leads, maybe people that you have proposed something to before. So you build a prospecting plan with warm leads, cold leads, warm leads, and maybe even existing clients because they might be your best source of new revenue. You know, it's interesting to me to uh, touch on that for a second, Mark, is the existing clients. Uh, So many people overlook 
trying to get new business from them, they assume, okay, now those people are, if I can use a word, they're in the order taking column. So we just take orders from, but there's lots of business with existing clients about product services they don't know about. Uh, why don't people reach out to them? <laughs> That's a question. Why? Mr. Science kicks in there. I have no idea because you would think there'd be a lot of trout fishermen out there because trout fishermen catch the fish, stick it in their creel, and don't think it about it anymore until the game warden comes by. Well, you got to think about your existing prospect or your existing clients as your com competition's best prospect because you've already qualified them for money and need, and all that all you have to do is find your list and go sell to them. So if you don't take care of them, you can just leave them back there unattended. You're right. Somebody's going to come get them. Right? Oh, absolutely. And it should be you and not someone else. Exactly. And by the way, selling to exist, and I, I tell folks that unless you're selling caskets, there's always something you can go sell your existing clients, right? And no matter what it is, put them on the list because the chance of selling an existing prospect are something like 90 to 98%. They already know the service that you provide, whether it's spare parts, existing you know, warranties, the, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, the air conditioning guys have this down very well with their maintenance plans where you prepay for service calls ahead of time. Super. Think of something that you can sell to your existing clients. Well, you know, to switch gears, let's go back to what I call the front of that train, and that's the prospecting. Boy, nobody wants to prospect or cold call, as we know. And it gets a lot of conversation. But as you rightly said, that's only should be just a small part of your sales plan. But let's talk about prospecting. Okay. Let's start there. Um in a, in a behavior plan, it's all about salespeople's activities. Um, so you got to have a list of people that you think might be a good prospect. And if you don't have such a list, maybe you can generate from your existing clients who looks good. Is it a certain, you know, if you're selling business to consumers, is it a certain zip code? Is it certain house size? Is it certain uh, wealth categories? Demographics, do people in the north side of town sell Anyway, figure that out and then build your plan about what is working already. All right? And if you think you're missing something, fine, then let's build a cold list and develop a plan to call the cold list. I recently did this for a client, and they had a cold list, a warm list, and an existing list. And we had him call 10 cold leads a day, right? And it doesn't have, you just have to do a little bit of something every day. You don't have to make the 100, you know, and you can do 10 cold calls in something like 30 minutes, really. So it's not a big chunk of time. It's just a matter of setting that time aside. And, you know, you put a little sign on your door, your cubicle, say, cold calling, don't bother me. And I can't imagine any business owner that would interrupt them if someone was willing to do that. So build that time. And I will tell you that about 30% of their business so far, this has been six months, has come from that cold list. And uh, it's well worth doing. Uh, people think cold calls are dead. Uh, I don't believe so. It's no fun because, you know, people slam the phone down. Uh, they, they grump at you. Maybe they even give a swear word here or there. But, hey, you're just trying to make a buck. It's your job. It's, uh, some will, some won't. So what? Who's next? You know, it's not about you. And I think that's why people don't like prospecting is they internalize it and they feel like they're getting personally rejected. And, it, you know, Carly Simon, I Nobody out there knows who she is. But she wrote a song that said, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. Well, salespeople think you're so vain, you probably think this sales call is about you. And it's not. 
Well, that's a good point. I think, and, and there's no way to build your warm leads or build ultimately into a customer if you want to grow your business or even maintain, because we know for various sometimes good reasons we lose customers. So you got to be you got to be adding to the pot, so to speak. To otherwise, you're dead in the water. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure when you started your when I started mine 20 years ago, I walked out of being a general manager in a paneled office with a secretary and people would walk in and say, gee, Mr. Miller, how high do you want me to jump and how long do you want me to stay there to picking up a phone with a cold list going, hi, I want to buy sales training, you know, and it's, it's a big step to, to get used to. And it, it takes some practice. And after, you know, 20 or 30, it's all good. You know, it's the, it's just getting in there and making those first 10 calls, kind of like playing football. Once the whistle blows, you're fine. Well, obviously, one of the important things you have to do when you're cold calling uh, and all the time is to figure out why people are doing business. Why would they do business with you? What is it they want that you might have to sell them? So let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Rick. You know, um, if if you don't know exactly why people buy stuff from you, and by the way, that's the first question I ask. Why did they buy your stuff instead of someone else's? And I don't get very good answers usually. You know, oh, we have the highest quality. Oh, ours is, uh, we delivered on time. Well, I would hope so, you know. So I think if we went to their competitors and asked them, why do they buy their stuff? Oh, we have the highest quality. Oh, we delivered on time. Well, sure. Yeah, that's not the reason. There is some emotional need. And we talked about this in the very first session, you know, two or three weeks ago. And that is, you got to figure out what emotion are you fulfilling? What is your client upset, frustrated, angry, concerned? You know, and it, you could just think of a myriad of things. You know, if you're in the home decorating, they might they might be frustrated because they just can't get the scheme right, or they may be concerned because um, the new in-laws are coming for the first dinner and they want to impress them. Whatever you got to figure out what that is, and if you can solve that emotional need, then you don't have to worry about price and delivery. Because if something that's a that's an emotional sort of hurt, and if something hurts bad bad enough, you don't really care how much it costs. You know, I bumped into that recently, real quick story, uh, in the neighborhood where I live, and there's a website for our neighborhood, and people post their comments or whatever and about services or things, and it's kind of neat if you live there because you can find a plumber, electrician, whatever. Sure. And uh, people were buying furniture for the holidays. I guess folks do that. Yeah, they do. And because they got family coming and they need better furniture, nicer, more furniture, whatever. And this, these people went and bought some furniture from an unnamed source, and it just continually, they, it wasn't it was Thanksgiving, they were trying to get it for Christmas, wasn't being delivered, you know, and there, what pops into your mind, that back, 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 back order back slip, and sure enough, right there on that website, you know, Mattress Mac, because <laughs> he delivers, there was not one word about quality, or, but it was about delivery, and then it, a whole conversation erupted with six, eight different people jumping in and say, that's the only place I buy, is because they deliver on time, <laughs> so right. right, they've solved an emotional need. That's exactly right. And, I, you know, sometimes that is the problem. They need it right away. Uh, sometime it has to be, you know, a certain brand or characteristic. You know, it's got to be the right shade of blue or whatever. But, you know, certainly Mattress Mac has built a wonderful business on buy it today, get it today. You know, and, he'll, and even at midnight, he's there setting it up for you. So, There's no doubt about it. Let me ask you kind of back up what you said because – Basically, what you've been doing, is, from my perspective, is kind of walking through, and I'll use it loosely, a plan that we sit down as a business owner. I think the owner needs to understand this and be involved, even if they have a sales manager or whatever. Understand what this plan is, you know, why people are buying from us. All this kind of stuff, to me, as an owner, 
it's 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 got to be important. He doesn't have to manage the sales team, he or she, but it's they need to really be involved in that and should have a great understanding. I mean, what's your perspective on building the plan that we're going to go out and work while we sell? Exactly right. Uh, you know, you if you can figure out the emotional part, right, then that that allows you in the cold call thing. If if we set uh, ten cold calls just for a number every day off the cold list another five off the warm list and another five off of the existing client list or even the people that might have bought something but don't buy any more list, whichever. So you have 20 calls a day, hours worth of work, more or less. And uh, with that, when you're making the cold calls, then you can say something. We, you know, we deal with people that are concerned because their sales have hit a certain level and they can't go any further or they're concerned because they have old Charlie or old Sue who's been with them for a while, who's no longer performing, and they don't know what to do. And sooner or later, if you make that list of two or three things, and if you have 10, you know, keep cycling them through the two or three things. And when you make the call, then the people say, yeah, I am worried about that. Or, yeah, I am concerned about that. So you are even hit the emotion, emotional trigger on the, on the prospecting call. You know, and if you have an existing client, you know, Hey, just calling to make sure I know this is your busy season. Do you have enough XYZ in stock to get you through? You know, because I don't want you to be be worried or concerned or maybe call me at the last second and I don't have it because I'd hate for that to happen. Yeah. You know, so. Sounds pretty simple, but you just got to figure it out. And I believe you got to put it on a piece of paper. You do. Uh, yeah, and, and you got to put tick marks on the piece of paper because here's the thing. Um, the reason why people feel so good after they get done cutting the grass is because they can see the instant result right? Instant gratification. The grass looks great when I'm done with it. Same thing here. 10 calls a day, 10 clicks on a piece of paper or on the spreadsheet or wherever you put them. Then you can say, yes, I did that. And you will have confidence that if you do that daily, that at the end, there's going to be a purchase order. Now, every business metrics are a little different, right? Some typical ones that you might think is that sometimes it takes as many as 20 cold calls to have a conversation. And it might take four conversations to get an appointment. And it might take four appointments to get an order. So if you start doing all that math, you're up to somewhere around 200 cold calls for the, for the order, which is our 0.5%. So just keep working. It, it's, it's, a little, it's a little wheel, and it's just, it just turns and turns, and it puts business into the hopper of your prospecting pipeline. Well, that's what it's all about. Well, Mark, believe it or not, we're to the end of our first uh, segment here today. We're going to take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation uh, with Mark Miller, Mr. Sales, and talk about some of the other issues that get into making your business a successful sales machine. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you. Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 936- 647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, 
which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at halftoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Welcome to the Weekly Business Hour. Thank you for joining us today. And we've been having, a, I think, a wonderful conversation with Mark Miller, Mr. Sales, about building your sales structure, but more in particular, getting out there and selling something. Well, Mark, when we went to break, we had talked a lot about, about it, the emotions of selling and selling into the emotions. But yet there's still, still a lot of folks, a lot of companies that work off features and benefits. And let's talk about why that's not the right approach. Okay. Well, you know, features and benefits are great, right? And if, if you were a purchasing agent and you bought lots of different things from different people and you listened to salespeople's pitches all day, every day, if you had the copy machine person come in, they would probably say they make the brightest, sharpest copies with the best equipment, highest quality. Fine. Then maybe you have, you know, the air conditioning person come in and they say they have the most efficient, quietest equipment that works solidly every day. So sooner or later, everybody's features and benefits begin to sound the same. There's some version of quality. There's some version of a size characteristic or whatever. There's some version of warranty. There's some version of customer service 24-7, 365, whatever it is. And if you're that person, you forget who you've talked to. You know, was it the air conditioning guy or was it the copy guy? Because they're saying basically the same thing. So even if you try to make them different, you're really just giving them some version of good stuff, quality, on time, good warranty, whatever. And it's not helping you, right? So they've heard that before. So if we can move away from that just a little bit now, the reason why you have to know your features and benefits and then your competitors' features and benefits, good things and bad things about their stuff, is so that you can use that with to have the confidence to speak well about how you solve the emotional need. Okay? That's just a confidence builder. It's not going to get you any business. It just makes you feel better about yourself when you go in. Sorry, marketing folks or product managers. We love you out there, and we know you're trying to make yourself you know, top of the line in the business, but you've got to also help them with the emotion that you're solving. Well, and you make a great point because having that product knowledge as a salesperson, that, that, I can see it gives you confidence because you know your subject. Right. 
but like you said, and I hope folks hear this, you don't go out there and talk about it. You might get a question and you respond to it, but you got to put yourself in a different mode and that's to reach into those emotions. Let's talk about some of the emotions. I mean, particularly because sometimes people don't understand where the emotions are, what they are, and then how to reach them or determine what they are. So let's talk about that. Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Chemist by training, I started selling processed chromatographs. Okay, there's there's three people in the world that even know what they are, right? <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, I was working on my PhD in chromatography. So I knew everything there was. I used to earn extra money by taking them apart, putting them back together again, and then repairing the ones on campus. And... Uh, I was pretty proud of myself because I could walk in and tell anybody anything they wanted to know. Well, guess what? They didn't want to hear me tell them anything. So you, what possible emotion could you have around a piece of online analytical equipment? I mean, that's about as cold as it gets. Well, that's true until you quit making product when you're making you know, 10,000 barrels an hour and you're off spec, right? So there's a huge emotion there of you know, bad product having to get rid of it, dealing with the EPA, having the boss on your desk, you know, whatever it is. Then there's there's also, um, you know, maybe it's your child's birthday and you get called out in the, mid, in the middle of the birthday party to go fix this problem. You won't want to work. So it's, it's not the reliability so much. It's the fact that you missed the birthday party. All these things have happened. And when I quit telling and started asking, you know, what drives you crazy about this thing? Well, it makes me mad because I have to makes me mad. Oh, good. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, good. He's mad already. That's good for me, right? So it makes me mad because I have to come and fix it in the middle of the night, and I don't like that. Great. Would it make any difference? Would you change if you didn't have to do that? He said, you bet I would. So now it doesn't matter about all the features and benefits. It matters that if it works through the night and he has, doesn't have to fix it or you have some other way of taking it off him, you do the repairs or something, then you have fixed the problem that makes him mad. Okay? So that's that's what we're talking about. So ask a few questions. And, you know, even if you don't know the answer, you don't have to be Perry Mason or a good lawyer or anything here. You don't already have to know the answer because you may well get surprised at the answer. Like, you know, it's just too big. It uses too much electricity. It Whatever. And then you know what the pain is. You would say, well, it's a huge plant. Why? Why does electricity make a difference? And then he may say, you know, we have a limited supply in this particular part, and that's all we can get. So fine. Now you know. It's not the size, not the color, it's not the speed. It's how much power it uses. How long would it have taken you to get there on your features and benefit list? <laughs> so ask a few questions, and uh, that's the way you find out what hurts. What drives you crazy? What keeps you up at night? Why am I even here, for example? What makes you talk to me when you've got a whole room full of this other stuff? You know, you, you make a great point. I want to validate it for those who are listening and are trying to maybe have not grasped this before about working the emotions, asking the questions. I actually was involved in a business owned, uh, in a, a business that we bought some electronic equipment uh, for particular precise cutting and so on and so forth. And we had an electrical supply problem. Yeah. It was the power was dirty. Yeah. But the in the conversation, because the machine had a higher level of sensitivity than the other machines that we had in the shop that cut things, did this and that, saws and things like that. Uh, it became a big topic because can you provide me with clean power? And there was a solution, but that was part of the selling process was, hey, they did a good job. They figured out they needed, they knew they needed clean power for their machine. 
but when they came in, they surveyed us, because I guarantee if we had not addressed that need or that emotion, uh, there would have been chaos. And I mean, it would have been a bad, bad sale for them. So sure. and, and what a good thing, right? That guarantee, because nobody else has. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> nobody it else has. made a huge, huge difference. And it, 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 I think people are afraid of asking questions because they think they have to be the smartest knife in the drawer. They got to know everything. They have to be professional. They have to be, I don't know, the best. And don't put all that pressure on yourself, you know. Um, people like to tell you how things work, you know. Uh, tell me how things work around here. Oh, well, let me tell you about my plant, you know. It's the safest. It, and when people t start talking about themselves, that's what they like to do anyway. And somehow that gets transposed onto you because you're the guy or girl that asks, what about you? What do you like? And then they get to talk about themselves, and they like you because they're talking about themselves. However strange that sounds, that is the circle that happens. Yeah. So, oh, I'll listen to Mark again. He wants to know all about me because no one else does. Right? Yeah, nobody else cares. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, with a couple of minutes or so that we have left, one of the types of selling that I think, again, another one I feel a lot of folks miss, at least I see it with my clients, and I know back when I owned businesses that we were not as good, is when you've had a client – that used to buy from you, yeah. and and they've gone away. Yep. How do you handle it? Well, give them a call. Hey, Charlie. You know, I, I know. You know, we parted ways six months ago, a year ago. Everything going all right? Has they solved your problem? Are you are you still getting equipment with clean power? Are you still, you know? And just ask. And and you might get, yeah, Mark, we're completely happy. You know, we're sorry we left. I said, well, is there any chance the next time you have? A need? Would you consider us again? And, and you either get the yes or no, right? And if no, now you know, right? Wait six more months and call again because sooner or later, later that competitor that has the business is going to make a mistake just like you did, and uh, you'll get the business back. Right. So, and the good thing, right, it's a business you already know. Yeah, that's right. So that's great. And well, I, go I ahead. I'm were, sorry. I thought you were going to say people don't ask for referrals because they don't. And I... Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of like the little two-year-old that says, I'll do it myself. I'll build this business myself. I'll get make my quota myself. Hey, get some help. It's a lot easier. You know, maybe, you know, do you know somebody who needs some help in their business with their sales force? Great. Would you mind giving, having them give me a call or to set up a time for me to call them? Because if they just say, oh, yeah, Mark, you ought to call Joe Blow at ABC Company. He really needs your help. I call up and I say, hey, Mr. Blow, it's Mark. You know, Rick told me to give me a call. And he'll go, Rick who? You know, and, but if you set up the call for a specific time, then he's expecting my call. And that, that little change takes it from that 0.5 to 2% that we talked about with a cold call to something like 20 to 50%. Because now this person has agreed to something ahead of time based on the referee's recommendation. And that, they're not going to do that unless there's some interest or need. You know? Well, you know, and, and that's my, as we close out today, and I think that's an important thing. I consider that one of those uh, leaving money on the table thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, my biggest, my personal biggest in the work I do, uh, source of, of leads of business is referrals. Yeah. And so you've got to work your referrals. I don't care what business industry you're in. you got to do more than just checking on a card, as you see from some folks like plumbers, electricians. You got to get build a little bit of a relationship, and that's different in every business, where that person will refer you, and it works. There's no doubt about it. Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. Uh, three of these 
sessions have been just full of great information. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put this together in a podcast, uh, which will be about a 60-minute podcast, beginning to end, uh, remove the commercials, whatever, and you'll be able to pick it up on our site. We'll uh, post that uh, in the next week or two. But Mark, uh, if folks want to talk to you a little bit more about selling, I mean, you're a wealth of information. Uh, you do a great job. I've, I've put you to work. I've referred you to clients I know. How do they best get in contact with you? Easiest way, this is a tough one, Mark at markmiller.us. Send me an email. Well, again, thank you so much, Mark. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you'll stay with us because we've got another half hour coming up. And uh, we're going to have uh, Businessman on the Street. It's a new segment for us. We've got Brian Albert, a shareholder in the Strong Law Firm, will join us to talk about all the legal aspects of starting a business in the upcoming Small Business University 101 session called So You Want to Be an Entrepreneur. It's a panel discussion sponsored by the Woodlands Chamber of Commerce. And then I'll finish out the show today with my one best consult tip of the week. Don't be afraid to swim against the current. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you. Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 936- Six four seven three seven seven six. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Health Center Southeast Texas is a federally qualified health center. We accept Medicare, Medicaid, and most major private insurances. For our self-pay patients, we have a sliding scale discount program available. Our health centers have qualified providers and staff striving every day to provide the best quality of care to our patients. Services offered are family medicine, behavioral health services, telepsychiatry, and pediatrics. We have four area locations. Look at the Health Center Southeast Texas online at hcset.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schistler, your host in the program. And we've got an opportunity today to learn a little bit about some educational opportunities that are happening right here in Montgomery County. And I'm so pleased to be here with Brian Albert. Brian is with the Strong Law Firm, and he's working with the Chamber of Commerce. They're putting on a series of educational programs, Chamber University and the one they're putting on a panel discussion, so you would like to be an entrepreneur. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rick. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and offering us a little bit of education and a little bit of information about what looks to be a wonderful, wonderful uh, education program that the Woodlands Chamber of Commerce is putting on. Give us a little background information on you and who you are and how you ended up on this panel. Sure. So, uh, so as you said, I'm a, I'm a shareholder with the Strong Firm in the Woodlands, Texas, uh, our firm focuses on all forms of uh, both corporate transactional matters as well as litigation, estate planning, uh, essentially a full practice, you know, full service law practice. Um, I've got a, a pretty big background in corporate transactions, mergers and acquisitions, 
uh, lending and financing transactions. I do a lot within the startup and small to mid-sized business sector. Um, so, I, you know, it's just a great opportunity to work with the chamber. Uh, this panel in particular um, is, is the first of what we call our small business university. And so uh, the program as a whole is comprised of two different sections. There's the SBU 100 and the SBU 200. 100 obviously is, in, is more directed for new business people, people that are maybe just don't even know where to start. Um, and so those topics range from a lot of the really entry level questions. And then the 200 level is something we're starting this year for the first time, which takes a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, more specific uh, areas w within the different things that come up, such as legal, like myself, uh, banking, how to get financing, how to raise capital, um, whether you have to get certain tax advice, IT, security, um, really the whole gamut of anything a small business might run into. Um, and so this, this first one that we're doing, uh, like you said, so you want to be an entrepreneur, um, it's a panel discussion between myself, which I'm covering the legal side, and then we've got a banker, we've got a CPA, uh, we've got a representative from the uh, Lone Star Small Business Development Center, uh, and then we've got one other representative who, uh, he's just got a wealth of knowledge in consulting and, and small business ownership and, and startup. So it's a really cool opportunity to hit on each of those topics. It'll be a great thing for anyone who, again, maybe doesn't even know where to start. They just have an idea and they think they might want to go in the direction of creating their own business. Sounds like a wonderful opportunity. It's what, a two-hour program, I understand? That's correct. Two -hour and program. when is it? And yeah, so it's actually next week. It's uh, Wednesday, January 30th. It's from 9 to 11 a.m., and it's hosted at the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce office in the Woodlands. Well, like I say, in two hours, if I'm thinking about going in business, be able to tap into all those expertise, and I'm assuming there will be a Q&A kind of situation I can learn and and decide for myself, at least from that perspective, if I want to be in business. That's exactly right. Yeah, J.J. Holly, the president CEO of the Women's Area Chamber, will be uh, moderating the panel. And, and really the idea is to give everyone on the panel just a chance to hit on big picture topics, th things that everyone needs to be considering if they want to go into business. Um, and, and then certainly there will be opportunity for some Q&A from the audience, and, and we all will be available after the fact and, and hopefully be a resource for people into the future. You know, one of the things I do, because I've mentored and have been doing it right at almost 15 years, small businesses, primarily calling on my experiences and having multiple businesses I owned and built and sold, but I always talk to new clients. In fact, I onboarded a new client yesterday, and one of the things on my checklist, if you will, is uh, engaging professionals, an attorney and an accountant. I make sure that they've done that, and in fact, if they won't do that, a lot of times folks think the cost or whatever, typically I won't stay with them because I, I sense that we have just too much opportunity for failure. If it's not today, it'll be several years from now. Uh, and anyway, and, and so from your perspective, why is it so important for someone in business, a startup or already out there operating business, to have a good attorney working with them? Mm -hmm. the, the big thing, honestly, is if you don't, you just run, you run the risk of making a mistake. And it's almost, almost always better to handle it at the front end pay the cost, deal with that grunt work to get off the ground and do it right, than to have to come on the back end of it when there's already a mistake, there's already liability out there. Um, more times than not, you're going to end up paying more uh, when, you, when you've got to clean up a mess rather than do the right things to prevent the mess to begin with. You know what I find, and I'll use your word mess, uh, it's when someone ends up in, a, in trouble legally in their business, I have found more times than not that it basically, uh, small business, shuts the business down because the owner it becomes so involved and because the concern and the money they'll end up spending hiring 
the attorney then, exactly uh, right. just uh, potentially can ruin the business. Mm -hmm. I and mean, have you experienced that? For sure. We, we see it a lot. I, I mean, it, like you said, it, it's the cost, but it's also just the disruption. Uh, if you're a small business, a lot of times you as the owner, founder, you are the business. And so when you've got to be taken away from running your business every single day to deal with working with attorneys, working with your CPA, whoever it is, um, it can really disrupt your flow. And so, you know, and especially when you're in a crisis situation, you know, if it's a litigation issue, it's always a crisis. Uh, no matter how big the dollar figure is, it matters to you. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't be in it. And, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's a mess. Yeah, as I mentioned to you, at one point in my career, I practiced and I was a trial attorney. And a lot of most of the work I did was representing businesses. And I saw that from another angle. And it was just sad to me. It is. People built up. In, in one case, I had a second-generation family business. They had gotten to the second generation, and uh, they ended up in a legal entanglement. In that case, probably not their fault per se, but I think if they'd had good legal counsel just watching their business, they wouldn't have gotten there. And, uh, I mean, it was a total, total disruption to the business. Even the transition to the next generation was put on hold. Yeah, I, I like to tell clients, you know, think of us as an insurance policy, just like any other type of insurance, right? You have to pay it up front. You pay the premium, um, but that gives you that assurance, and it helps to avoid that off chance where there is a big, big situation like that, and that's really where we try to come in and save you. And if you do that all at the front end, you have a much better chance of surviving and getting through to the other side. Yeah, I think it's sage advice uh, and the same advice I would give my clients as well. Well, let me ask you, just uh, for the sake of carrying that out, what are some of the legal mistakes, particular mistakes you've seen, startups, particularly small businesses, people just getting rolling in their business? What are the kind of basic mistakes you see legally that they make, uh, either by not coming to you or bringing you something that uh, was a mistake or, and you have to clear it up? What are some of those? Yeah, I think the big thing is uh, people falling into the trap of thinking they're an expert, whether that's because of their own, you know, self-belief or if it's relying on the internet or relying on a friend of a friend who did it or heard of someone you know it's there's, there's a lot of information out there we have this wonderful thing called the internet that can just give you any kind of answer that you want in, in a few clicks the problem is it's unregulated right and and so anyone out there can have a website that can purport to give you legal advice or, or business advice um, and it might be wrong you know, we, we have a website for our firm, and I could get on there and write a blog, and if I write something wrong, you're going to assume that I'm, it's right because I'm an attorney, it's a law firm website. Um, and so, you, you know, you get a lot of people that they, they read online, oh, well, I've got to do an LLC, and I can do it through LegalZoom, and it's $300, and I'm done. That's it. Don't have to do anything else, right? Um, and the answer is maybe, but maybe not. And more likely than not, it, it, that's not really the full thing. And so... It's just, it's just not being willing to commit is really the mistake from a legal perspective. Commit to doing all that, to getting that insurance policy by having good counsel on the front end to, to avoid all those mistakes that might come in after. Well, and you know, one of the things I think is important, and I was trained this way in our family business, is a lawyer and an accountant, same thing, any professional, is just not there to do legal work in this case. Engage them as an advisor. In other words, once a year, twice a year, whatever, Sit down and just talk about the business, not about a legal problem or drawing up some forms or whatever. Say, these are the businesses we're in. This is what we're doing. We're thinking about uh, bringing in a new product or entering into a new service or, or, you know, what from a legal perspective do I need to be aware of? And I find that a compelling thing to do because I saw it work myself yeah. time and again. So do you find yourself just doing some advising 
from a legal point of view? One hundred percent. I am. I, I probably spend just as much time during my day working with clients, advising on just general business concepts and, and things that I've seen through the legal scope, um, but that really may, maybe don't have anything to do with a contract, right? Um, we've seen how those things affect the legal side, what risks might come up, um, and it's important because not every legal answer uh, is the same depending on what your situation, what your business is, what your goals are. So if I don't understand what your business, what direction you want to go, what your ultimate goals are, you know, are you trying to sell this off one day? Are you trying to make this an operational thing for 20 plus years where you're going to hand it off to your kids and they're going to work with you? That might change the answer uh, on how we structure your company, on how we write your contracts. Um, so you might sell widgets and you might assume, well, the contract's the same no matter what. That's, that's not really true. And so if you don't have that business layer within the legal work, you're, you're really missing out. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. And again, I, I, I support 100% of what you say. We've got a couple minutes left. And the one thing I'd like to do, if we could, is just kind of quickly give, what are the basic legal needs for a startup business? Just the basic things. I'm going to start a business. Maybe I'm going to just be a, a sole proprietor or whatever. What are some of the basic things I need to look for, talk to an attorney about? Yeah, so, so really the, the first step that most people jump to is, do I need to have uh, an entity, a registered entity, um, you know, an LLC, a corporation, a limited partnership? Um, you know, usually the answer is going to be, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. And most of the time that's because of that limited liability concept. For some people, it doesn't, you don't need it. If your business is, I'm going to, you know, hand make some jewelry, I'm going to sell it on Etsy. <coughs> Honestly, you probably don't need it because there's not a whole lot of risk involved in that. Um, but if you really want to expand, if you want to maybe franchise it, then you're probably going to have to have an entity at some point. So that's usually the baseline question we start with is, you know, what are you trying to do? Do you need to have a registered entity? Do we need to structure it? Um, and then from there, secondary thing is, do I need a license or a permit for what I'm doing? Some people assume, well, I can just do whatever I want to do. Well, that's not true. Certain, certain industries are regulated by the state or by the federal government. Um, and so you might have to go through the process of applying for a permit or, or a specialty license to do what it is your services are. Um, and, and then it's just paperwork. Uh, no one wants to get bogged down with it, but at the end of the day, a really well-written contract can save you a lot of headache later. Um, and even if it's one standard service agreement that you use for the rest of your, you know, your, industry, your company's life, that, that's probably something that you want to have from the get-go so that every customer you ever have is on the same terms. Yeah. Well, I think those are three good things that everybody should look at. Uh, to close out, remind us again the date, the time, where we can buy tickets, those kind of things about the program itself. Sure. So, again, it's uh, Wednesday, January 30th from 9 to 11 a.m. at the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce. Uh, so you want to be an entrepreneur panel. Uh, it's the first of uh, 11 of the SBU uh, 100 level classes. Uh, you can register online through the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce website. Um, the tickets are... $25 for chamber members, uh, $50 if you're a non-chamber member, and you can also actually sign up for the entire course ahead of time, and it saves you quite a bit of money if you want to buy the whole package, and then you get you get tickets to all, all the different events that we have going on. Yeah, and it appears there'll be a class, when I looked at the class uh, calendar, about every three weeks, three to four weeks. Yeah, yeah, it spreads out. So the, the, the next one coming up after that is actually going to be hosted by um, one of my good friends, Barry Blanton, uh, with Blanton Advisor, talking about business plan basics. Um, so that's going to be in February, and then they stretch out all the way. I think the last one ends in October. Right. Um, so it's, it's a pretty nice spread. Uh, it's not a huge commitment because you know, it's not all happening at once. Um, you really get a full year's worth of value going throughout the months. Well, it's a great opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. And if 
you're listening to the show, I encourage you. It's next week. Uh, I encourage you to take a look at woodlandschamber.org and get more information if you need it or contact the chamber by phone. Uh, great opportunity for you to meet what I call my educational requirement of all my uh, small business clients. So get engaged and uh, see if the Woodlands Chamber can provide you with that education you need. We're going to go to our final break of the day. And when I come back, I'm going to give you the one best consult. Dot com tip of the week. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Does volunteering at a nonprofit horse sanctuary sound wonderful? Or are you a veteran or a veteran spouse and think trying a peer group session through a local Horses and Heroes equine program might be worth trying? Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary, located in Grand Central Park by appointment only, is home to a growing number of rescued and donated horses. Visit our website at henryshomehorsesanctuary.org or check out our Facebook at Henry's Home Horse and Human Sanctuary for more information. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is a nonprofit organization serving Montgomery County and surrounding areas dedicated to the health and well-being of the boxer breed. Lone Star Boxer Rescue is run and managed 100% by volunteers since 1999. Our main objective is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome boxers that come to us from many sources, including local animal shelters, owner surrenders, and strays. For more information about Lone Star Boxer Rescue, visit our website at lsbr.org. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stuff podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. You are listening to the Weekly Business Hour. And again, this is Rick Schisler, your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. Well, I appreciate you joining us today. And we're to our final segment of the show. Uh, that's our tip of the week, one best consult tip of the week. But before we get there, I want to remind you, if you're listening to the show and your business is located in Montgomery County, I would encourage you to consider sponsoring the show. It's not very hard to do. You just need to drop me a an email. Uh, you can send it to the station here at rick at irlonestar.com. And uh, I'd love to send you some information. Love to have your business sponsor our show. So please consider that. Well, let's get right into the tip of the week in the few minutes we have left. Uh, this past week, I did a blog, and in case you didn't see the blog, the title was Don't Be Afraid to Swim Against the Current. You know, that's an expression that's been around forever, swimming against the current. Uh, it's been used in a positive sense and a negative sense. The negative is the fact that, well, don't beat your head against the wall, right? Uh, swimming against the current, you're never going to be successful. In a positive sense, don't be afraid to swim against the current. And what we're talking about, and hopefully obvious to all of you, is that don't be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to innovate. Uh, 
Uh, our businesses go along today, and it doesn't matter what kind of business, a Main Street business, uh, a standard uh, residential service business, such as plumbing, electrical, commercial business, or a product business, an industrial product business, any kind of business this applies to. I believe it's very important, and perhaps uh, more important today than it might have been five, 10 years ago uh, or longer, to be innovative in your business. I mean, the world spends a lot of time talking about innovations. You know, when things are developed, a whole new way to approach something, uh, such as Facebook in uh, the internet and the communication system that's built up around the internet, that was innovation. But what I'm really talking about is innovation within your existing business. Don't be afraid to do things differently if it, in fact, is done in a way that enhances your business, improves your business, makes your business more likely to do more business. Again, makes your business more likely to do more business. And a lot of times in small businesses, we're sort of intimidated into that. You know, a fella, Malcolm Muggeridge, uh, is quoted as saying, never forget that only dead fish, and fish swim with the stream. Only dead fish swim with the stream, meaning dead fish float downstream. If you're a live fish, swim upstream. And I don't know if that's absolutely true, but it sort of, I, I saw that quote a couple of weeks ago and I started thinking, you know, this is probably true of a lot of small businesses. They're just afraid to go upstream, to innovate, do it a little bit differently. And typically what I found that I have found with folks when I deal work with them, uh, clients or otherwise, uh, do a, a speech, speak to people about it, it's fear. They're afraid for a number of reasons. They're, number one is typically they're afraid they'll fail. Well, what happens if I change up my product to do this or that, be a little bit innovative, and it just doesn't work? And so the fear of failure overcomes any idea that they could be successful, that they could change their business. Small way, big way, doesn't matter. But it would make them more competitive, and they would do more business. Uh, they just have a fear of it. They have a fear of what it's going to cost, a fear of, of, well, how do I do that? Fear of hiring someone to help them do it. All kinds of fear, fear, fear. You've got to overcome those fears. And in my opinion and my experience, the best businesses, the best small businesses are run by leaders who are courageous and are not afraid to take a different path. Just look around. Pick up a magazine, a book on small business, and read the stories about successful business. You'll see the word courageous occasionally written about, but you'll see it in the character development or discussion about the person or persons who built the business. One of their characteristics, they were courageous, they overcame the fear. So first of all, address that. Overcome that fear. You know, it's interesting uh, that the innovation of, that you could create within your own business, again, you could have a plumbing business. And that's an example I personally came across recently. You know, the plumbing business, generally speaking, at least on a residential basis, has become a business where you sell the service at a flat rate or buy the book, just like the automobile repair industry has been for years and years. Uh, you need a, a, a tune-up, it's X dollars. Or if you need spark plugs changed, it's X dollars. It's all in a book. It's quoted as a flat price. And the plumbing industry has evolved towards that. Uh, but the other day I had an experience. I w we have a place in the country uh, out in another county from, uh, nearby Liberty County, and we needed a toilet changed out. And I reached out to a local plumber, uh, someone I'll call the country plumber, and they told me that they charge X number of dollars an hour and the toilet would be X dollars. And I talked to my son who lived in that neighborhood, and he says, oh, Dad, you're going to spend three, four, five hundred dollars 
sure you want to spend that kind of money just to change out a toilet uh, because there's some things that mom doesn't like about it. And I said, well, let me try it. Let's do it. They came out and they changed that toilet out. It cost me, by the way, $268, okay? But what was more important is the, the plumber and his helper did it in about a half an hour. And he says, well, we charge you 100 and something, I can't remember the exact number, per hour. We've got 30 minutes left. What else can we do for you? What other plumbing issues do you have? Well, unfortunately, we didn't have any. It was a fairly new place. But I thought that was unbelievable that somebody's saying, hey, what else can we do? You've got more time. Uh, it's paid for anyway. That is innovation. Serving that market in that area, that plumber is found. By the book, it's not his best choice. And I would agree. And now I'm an advocate and tell everybody in that part of the world that, hey, this is the plumber to call. There's no doubt about it. So don't be afraid to innovate. The key is, as we move forward, there's technology, best place to find innovation for any business, a different way to do your invoice and a different way to keep track of your books. Some of these innovations are internal, but can make a difference to your bottom line. Open your eyes, get rid of the fear that you have, and go out and innovate in your business. Take a look at it. It doesn't need to be an innovation that makes the newspaper or the business periodical. It needs to be an innovation that adds to your top and bottom line. Most importantly, your bottom line, increase your profits, increase your margins, innovation, and get rid of some of the fear you have, even in the smallest business, in a sole proprietorship. Look for a different way to conduct your business. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today on the Weekly Business Hour, and I would encourage you, put a note on your calendar to join us again next Monday. Next Monday, we're going to have a new Soup to Nuts conversation entitled Leadership and Your Business. And it'll be led by Silver Fox Advisor, Rainey Busby, a certified EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating Systems Im Implementer. I think it's going to be very interesting. Got a lot of good information about managing and leading your business. So please plan to uh, join us and look for the podcast of today's show on the Weekly Business Hour page at IRLoneStar.com or Facebook page later in the week, or even on the YouTube channel, the Weekly Business Hour. And thank you again for joining us. And remember, stay in touch with everything that's happening here in Montgomery County, right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And as always, until next week, stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business. Thanks.